0: 42nd annual award-winning podcast the academy academy the show that discovers absolute undeniable and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career i'm don saunderson and i'm uh, patrick grimeon wow welcome to the academy academy and welcome to brooks brooks a series that has been a long time coming i would say Safe yeah. to say
1: Oh, yeah, I I, know I I toyed with the idea of suggesting the name Brooks Brothers, but that would imply (laughs) that these two people are brothers, which is not true.
0: Friends, colleagues, comedic compatriots.
1: Yeah, comedic
0: brothers in arms. Comedic brothers in arms. If you're going to do a comedy battle of, uh, let's say, dry urbane wit, Mm. then perhaps they are brothers. But um, biologically, I think not, although we will learn one of them has quite a famous brother.
1: Yes. Instead of swords, they uh, wield a dr- droll repartees. Indeed, indeed.
0: Yes. Mm. Uh, if you're looking for a workplace dramedy, then these would be the two gentlemen to look at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you,
1: you bet that you're asked. These people g- both are acquainted with the Atlantic.
0: Oh, have they written in the shouts and murmurs (laughs) section of The New Yorker?
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Certainly Albert. I'm not sure about Jim. Um, Yeah. We're, of course, talking about James L. Brooks and Albert Brooks, uh, pure masters of um, light comedy. Light comedy. Yeah. I mean, of the, you know, going back to the 1960s and probably, you know, peeking out They've, of course, done done some things into the 2000s, but probably reaching their kind of finale of their highest end run toward the end of the 90s. Um, two very, very interesting figures in the world of entertainment. Um, you know, to get started, I mean, I think it's just, you know, we, we got this idea, of course, during the Meryl Streep season, um, after watching Defending Your Life and both of us just having a really, really terrific time with that film of course it didn't really fit the uh mold of like a perfect Streep film but it did feel feel to us to be a pretty perfect albert brooks film yeah and uh simultaneously i think you saw broadcast news for the first time and we were talking about that on you know just off the air yeah how how much we both like that film
1: i think that movie is uh and maybe i was just in a weird moment uh during quarantine when i watched it but i kind of feel like it's the perfect uh, movie. It kind of has everything in a way that's you know it doesn't have like the only thing missing I guess is like action like you know like a, a scene where Al, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger drives a Harrier jet or whatever. But I mean, not every movie's gonna have that. Well,
0: not every movie's True Lies. We know that. I mean, yeah, they, they, You can try. You can yeah. try to be True Lies.
1: Although although Albert Brooks in the Tom Arnold role, I don't know. Could be funny.
0: Could have been funny. Yeah. I mean, we, heaven forbid we cast tomorrow but i think yeah <laughs> i think um there's some action in broadcast news. I mean, I think the part where Joan Cusack's rushing that damn tape across the office and yeah. diving, diving over uh filing cabinets or or when Albert Brooks and wears that unfortunate shirt when he gets the weekend anchor shift.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know? Oh man, when he's just sweating up a but storm.
0: It is interesting you say that though. And we're of course we'll be talking about broadcast news in a few weeks, but um yeah. the scene where Will William Hurt is doing the news. And Albert Brooks is relaying it to Holly Hunter to tell William Hurt what to say, does have quite a like intense edge to it. Like it does feel like very high tension. Like there is, there's a lot happening there because you, you, but it, that's because James Brooks, and we'll discover that as we go along with both them, you care about these three characters. Yeah. Oh, Who he's... gives a shit about the news? But no. You care about them.
1: The, the three, and they're so like, um, masterfully constructed in the film like that you have like three very interesting unique leads that are given a lot of time and you're allowed to like see them you know their childhood you're allowed to see them kind of like through work like you, you're able to like really get a three dimensional look at William well, Hurt, Albert Brooks and uh, Holly Hunter at Rules
0: it's a um, I mean you know we're not all for calling out like the rules of screenwriting or anything like that you know we're not save the cat gentlemen necessarily Mm, but let let
1: that let that cat die
0: yeah drop that cat off the damn roof or wherever (laughs) it's fall out of the tree i don't know
1: keep it in that damn tree yeah keep the cat in the tree i say (laughs) it
0: puts the cat
1: in the bucket (laughs) and it puts it up the tree
0: yeah um (laughs) but i mean you know these broadcast news and defending your life and we're probably i say it's safe to assume a few of these others we're going to watch are in my opinion pretty picture perfect on how to create a adult dramedy
1: yeah i think that's the other thing that like really appealed um the other reason broadcast news appealed to me so much was it was so clearly for like adults (coughs) and it didn't N- N- they didn't treat you like a moron. Like they they treated you. They treated the audience as someone who cared about you know integrity and uh, had an interest in like you know maintaining uh, journalism journalistic integrity. You know what I mean? Like I feel like so many movies. Uh, also, on just a broader level, being good at your job. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> oh, I wonder if that's with, uh, a trait old uh, Mister Brooks shares with Michael Mann.
0: Mm. Hey, oh, our 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 new close personal friend Michael Mann, yeah. if you want to get a little off topic patrick and i saw him in person the other night and it was cool oh yeah oh <laughs>
1: yeah i I, am, I imprinted on him like a baby duck to uh you know the first thing it sees he's my from father row,
0: from, now from row four michael Mann saw patrick <laughs> and he's like you know what I, I this guy this guy could be a real operator he could do jobs so i'm gonna bring him into uh, bring him into the mix i'm gonna yeah. set him up with a real-life jewel thief and they're going he's gonna learn <laughs> from the best
1: <laughs> every, every crew needs a large son
0: yeah I, mean, <laughs> I you know it's for some of us you know we're trying to get by you know trying to you know i have a i have a wife and a child, much like Chris Scheherlis, Val Kilmer, <laughs> yeah. into Phil but for some of us, you know, the action is the juice, and that would be Patrick Grimm. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm,
1: the, I'm the Tom Sizemore of this podcast. Sure. Oh, no, I, maybe I, not. Take back. Oh, no. In a, in a fictional on can't, like, <laughs> yeah. oddly enough, it's all of the characters
0: Tom Sizemore played in movies in the 90s, Patrick is, to the podcast. Yes. Not Tom Sizemore <laughs> with the man. We're going to separate the art from the artist here
1: one split second. What's this character's name in uh he, Jericho? What's oh, his? He, he calls
0: everybody Slick? Yeah, he's, Slick. Um he's uh, Chir- uh Mike Chir- Mike um
1: Mike Chorizo, no. Yeah, chorizo. Yeah, Mike Chorizo. Mike Chorizo <laughs> <Mike Chirizo. laughs> Him and Tom Tom Sausage, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh what a chorizo.
1: <laughs> oh what a chorizo.
0: But uh, Michael Man ruled. Uh oh it's gathering. so good. But I think like James L. Brooks, though, and Michael Mann, these are still people who are trying to create worlds and universes and characters of, de- despite the fact that James L. Brooks cares about kind of you know a little more you know white collar Joe's, Joe's jo- yeah. and jo- Jackson Jills, Where- whereas um, Michael Mann, of course, cares about cops and robbers and you yeah. know tough guys and stuff like that. I mean, you know, if Lowell Bergman was working under Holly Hunter. Mm-hmm. at uh the news on in broadcast news i think i don't think he has a big of an issue with 60 minutes i think mm-hmm. if she was the boss of 60 minutes but uh, you know
1: no yeah she played she played ball
0: yeah she would play oh she understands the integrity of the lowell bergman is going for and Britain. not gonna let those cigarette companies win out on this one are we oh uh,
1: no way no way and you bet the model and piano would start to play
0: yeah and like she'd go out the double doors with a trench coat in slow motion, just like Al. But
1: oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, all I, the I love at the
0: beach. I love hearing Michael Mann with his Chicago accent say "Al, Al, Al." Oh, he rules!
1: Al. I didn't realize he, he was such a Chicago guy.
0: He's the best. I mean, he he schooled Patrick and I in. The history of Chicago architecture, all the way to the brilliance of Val Kilmer, which Mm -hmm. we already we could have guessed, but he gave he he did tell some pretty good stories. Um, We hope to see him. We hope to be adopted by him. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're going to you know. be
1: adopted by him. He's going to raise us as his two sons. Uh, it's going to be great.
0: Or fo- the the, pod- the quality of the podcast is going to go up a measure of <laughs> because he's going to be going after us about our professionalism.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, what is this shit?
0: So You're using garage. It. He's like I knew a guy back in Chicago who was a, the original podcaster. He sh- yeah. he, he shot Mark Marin. <laughs> he
1: shot Mark Marin. <laughs> Johnny podcasts they call Johnny,
0: him. Yeah, Johnny podcast. He was a good guy. He was a cop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're not talking man. Someday, of course, we'll probably do the entire man catalog. Oh yeah, but, but we're talking we're talking Brooks and Brooks here. And I, I one thing one more thing before we jumped in, I think it's kind of fun that Patrick and I met via kind of doing some comedy stuff together. So it's kind of fun to talk comedy films. Yeah! We haven't had a chance of... You know, as funny as the French Lieutenant's Woman was.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As much of a laugh riot as uh the insider was. Yeah. The the jokes
0: upon jokes upon jokes of panic and needle park. <laughs> yeah, oh man, just
1: yeah, goofs a minute, needle goose, park.
0: Go- goose and spoofs with our two the two characters two <laughs> actors we've done before. And I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, we've got some Mamma mia's we've got some Jack and Jill's in the mix. Yeah, but, that's uh, true,
1: yeah. <laughs> but it, then it's like for yeah, for every Jack and Jill, we have two Paternos, though.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah it's nice, to, nice for a Paterno break. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm glad we don't need to.
2: You don't, don't have to live to. on that island.
1: Yeah.
0: but um, you know, speaking of TV, mm. we're gonna uh, jump in with uh, start start the show off. Let's we'll start this our tale of two Brooks. Ooh, it's another possible yeah. title: <laughs> Tale of Two Brooks. Uh, <clears throat> with it was- the, um, the elder Brooks, mm. um, James Lawrence Brooks, was born May 9th, 1940, in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, wow. Uh, raised in North Bergen, New Jersey. His parents uh, were Dorothy Helen and Edward M. Brooks, who are both salespeople. His mother sold children's clothes, his father furniture. Um the family is uh jewish but um edward brooks changed his surname from bernstein and claimed to be irish thus uh,
1: brooks.
0: <laughs> thus brooks
1: i love it i love it i love that that's such a that's like a, you know what go get it king go get it
2: um, well, get that paper, get that paper.
0: Uh, the daddy brooks maybe not the king you think
2: <laughs> oh, uh,
0: oh no his because he abandoned the family when he found out she was pregnant with jim um and lost and lost contact with his son when brooks was 12.
2: jesus Uh,
1: christ during
0: during the pregnancy brooks's father sent his wife a postcard stating that if it's a boy name him jim Um, should
1: should name him something else man lady Uh, although you know, no shame. You know, it's tough back then. But yeah, I'd name. Yeah, should have been like Gus or something. Or Oswald. Yeah, it I it don't sounds
0: know. like he he really is coming from the stickball world that Al Pacino was dreaming
1: of. Oh yeah, no, this is a hundred percent. I did not have this picture of James L. Brooks in my head as like one of the little rascals, but it's like yeah, yeah,
0: the, the, you know the the Dead End Kids, and his mom died when he was twenty two. So. Wow. Oh my God. Uh, describes his early life as tough, uh, broken home, poor, sort of lonely, that sort of stuff. Uh, his father was in and out. His mother worked long hours. Um, so he was just kind of alone in the apartment a lot. He had an older sister who helped him, and he ended up dedicating as good as it gets to her. Um, oh, very claims, nice. He claims that um, reading and writing kind of helped him survive childhood he because he was alone basically so he just read a ton and wrote a ton he got very interested very early on in writing little comedic shorts and stuff like that None were published but um you know it made him um you know brought him some like as these things actually should it brought him a little bit of peace and a little bit of identity it wasn't necessarily career oriented at at that time you know it was fun it gave him a diversion um not a high achiever in high school, but he was on the newspaper staff, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he lists some of his early influences as uh, Sid Caesar, Jack Benny, Lenny Bruce, Nichols and May, Wow, uh, Patty Chayefsky, and F. Scott Fitzgerald.
1: That's honestly like a very erudite, like uh, very like, because even like Sid Caesar um, is like a super interesting like very funny like have you ever seen your show of shows like his stuff actually mm-hmm. holds up still like his well, 50s I mean, stuff all it's surprising
0: people, i mean it's surprising that brook brooks is a little too young to have written on there but he probably he is of that ilk of that kind of you know the carl reiner the uh mel, yeah. mel, mel, another brooks mel brooks mel Brooks. <laughs> um, yeah, like you know even woody allen i mean that, that kind of yep world you know uh james is part of and we're gonna i think we're gonna call james james and albert albert just so we can properly differentiate between everyone right talking and if mel comes up again we'll we'll say mel
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) no surnames today
0: no surnames um so he ended up going to new york university but he dropped out Mm -hmm. uh and ended up getting a job at cbs um as a like a host like almost like kenneth the page Um, (laughs) oh very good uh but i guess um job usually required college education but his sister was friends with the secretary there and this is kind of an interesting like you know interesting thing is like kind of james o brooks does not come from the harvard yale side of things but as you'll kind of see he just kind of was a lot of right place right time and then Having the skills to pay the bills once he got in was kind of his story. So he was at CBS for two and a half years. Um, and um, in that time, he filled in as a copywriter for CBS News and was given the job permanently when the original employee never returned.
1: <laughs> wow. And,
0: and he went on to become a writer for the news broadcasts and he wrote um, reports on events. Up to and including the assassination of President Kennedy. Holy shit! Um, he moved to LA in '65 to begin to to write for documentaries being produced by David L. Wolper, um, and he said it was a big move because his job at CBS was, you know, doing the copywriting was secure and well paid. Um, so it was kind of a kind of <laughs> big swing. He worked as an associate producer on such shows as Men in Crisis, but after six months, was laid off as the company was trying to cut back on expenses. Um, did some occasional work on like National Geographic specials after that. and But he could not find a job at another news agency. That's what he was looking for. Um, but he coincidentally met a producer named Alan Burns at a party. And Alan Burns got him a job on the TV series, My Mother the Car. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: You gotta love the '60s, man.
1: <laughs> that's like back when you could just have a, you know, what this it's, horse it talks. It's that's on TV, a,
0: man. That's it's on show. TV.
1: You know what this car it talks. This wife, it's a, she's a genie. Like, yeah. that's like, you just had just a weird high So Let's bring that back.
0: Here's some hillbillies in the elite and here's some elite <laughs> with hillbillies.
2: Ah, uh, done.
0: It just done. Yeah. Um, so he was hired to rewrite a script after pitching some story ideas for My Mother the Car. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, Jim is in the uh, t- episodic TV writing game. He wrote episodes of That Girl, The Andy Griffith Show, my three sons before he was hired on as a story editor for a show called my friend, Tony. God only knows what that was about.
1: I love these. It doesn't even have
0: a, it doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, which is pretty wild.
1: Um, That's like lost, uh, lost treasure. Quentin Tarantino
0: has probably seen it, but he's the only one.
1: Yeah. When he watches it, he starts laughing like Sam Neill in uh, fucking that movie where he's in the theater. Just
0: oh like, uh, in the mouth of yeah,
1: this yes exactly <laughs> one of the
0: great one of the masterful films do you read Sutter Cain? Um, <laughs> in um 1969 james created his first television series room 222 for abc and uh 29 years old when this oh, wow. happened because he was born in 1940 um and the room 222 lasts until 74. So, nice, nice run there. Uh, notably, second series in American history to feature a Black lead character, in this case, a high school teacher, um, that Brooks really worked hard to um, be as not tone anything down or not. He really wanted to be, to be real and feel very authentic and give everyone true. Full flood, full blooded characters, which is definitely kind of something we'll see as his career progresses, was a big thing for him. Um, mm. and he uh conducted research for the show at LA High School and um, really wasn't it? It helped him get to know the, the importance of extensive research into, and you can feel that later on when we watch broadcast news, it's like, oh, we feel like we're in a very real. 1980s newsroom
1: yeah i think that's a huge aspect of why that film is successful is the sense of authenticity provided by the film like yeah like you mm-hmm. you, you get the sense that james l brooks has uh if not lived it at least extensively uh researched that work yeah he's awesome.
0: gone in a, a mike michael mann Oh, there we go. Oh, he's a Michael Um, Mann.
1: Yeah, man. It's funny, too, because, like, James O. Brooks has a decidedly Michael Mannian origin.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are regular folks who got a shot and proved that they had quite a bit of spark.
1: Which rules.
0: Which is. Do we want more of that?
1: Yes. Yes. God bless. Yes.
0: More diverse, obviously, but in the same vein, though, that it isn't. A bunch of people like who have been training for this since the eighth grade whose parents live in the pacific palisades you know i mean we exactly want, yeah we want these unique voices um brooks left room 22 though as head writer after only one year to work on other pilots and uh brought in his old friend alan burns to um produce the show in his stead so repaying the favor um then after their success there They were contacted by a man named Grant Tinker, who was the CBS programming executive, who was also, who had just started a new production company called MTM Productions with his wife, Mary Tyler Moore, Mm. which led to Brooks and Burns creating the Mary Tyler Moore show, um, also another show about journalism. Um, And obviously, we know as things, forward um this show is a smash success and kind of one of the legendary tv shows yes. um but i wanted to bring up something that i found very interesting in the research here um was not originally successful and it wasn't particularly popular with cbs executives who wanted them to fire brooks actually but um the show is one of the beneficiaries of the network's president who liked the show this thing called the rural perch this is really interesting we're going to do a little side side sidebar into television history here (laughs) so in the early 1970s it the Rural Purge refers to a series of cancellations of still very popular rural-themed TV shows, uh, including Mayberry RFD, the B- Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres, Hee Haw. Oh, wow. Pretty much, and basically with this idea that C and CBS kind of led the charge in this, in, ba- in this idea of moving away from shows with rural themes toward shows that appeal more to urban and suburban audiences and if you really want to get down to it this is kind of politically a shift that we're still seeing today and the idea of the elite media and how it only caters to the coasts and so forth yeah it seems to have really started with this rural purge um cbs apparently was known as the for a long time the country broadcasting system or the hillbilly (laughs) network Um, and this included basically getting rid of all of those shows and kind of really beginning to downplay the western tv series which Mm. were so huge as obviously as we saw in once upon a time in hollywood rick dalton and bounty law was a beneficiary of that time period oh yeah um but yeah and it signaled the move toward urban shows kind of edu- for lack of a term educated shows uh higher brow shows and mary tyler moore being about a progressive woman in a media newsroom um fit the bill and then some for that new um for that new idea and um it became a smash once it became kind of a spotlight show for cbs and um you know it it won you know all the emmys it's been included as one of the best shows ever it's um yeah it's just a
2: yeah a
0: a true classic and it's it's also spawned um a ton of spin offs, including Rhoda and Lou Grant, starring the late Ed Asner, mm. which were all like <laughs> these shows ran like four, five, six seasons and 100 episodes as well.
1: You know, like it's crazy to seeing the cast, like, yeah, Edward Asner, Ted Knight,
0: yeah, uh, the Betty great White, yeah, yeah,
1: like all these. Yeah, it seemed to, uh, uh, it's just, it's kind of wild, if anything, that I haven't seen more of it. Just like in the culture in general, I think there's just this thing though where I feel like a lot of like, um, tell I feel like television has a shorter lifespan than most things, and yeah. it's yeah, and there's just like you just don't see a lot of like, uh, you know, reruns of stuff that old unless you're really specifically looking for it.
0: Yeah, it's 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 very interesting, it's kind of, I think that. Basically, like maybe Seinfeld, but certainly Sopranos and Sex and the City are kind of going to be the shows that are maybe the oldest that are maybe Cheers too. But yeah, um, i might. Like so- friends, of course. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm Pardon so me. nervous. Keep coming up with stuff, but there's only a handful of shows like pre 2000 that fit oh, yeah. this bill.
1: Oh, yeah. Because I'm it's so funny. I, I'd be so curious to see what Nick and Knight plays right now, currently. Because I remember when I was like a kid watching Nick and Knight. They were already playing like Full House and like Fresh Prince of Bel Air stuff that was like made in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And when, like, when
0: I was a kid, you know, they were still playing, um, you know, Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres, Mister Ed stuff when, of that uh, stuff of that nature.
1: I got like the very. I got like a little bit of Happy Days. I remember when I was like mm. six, maybe they would do Happy. But that's like, yeah, but uh, an it's,
0: enjoyable show. An yeah. enjoyable show. <laughs> 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 the We gotta love them. Yeah. Um, but so Brooks is, um, you know, winning, winning goddamn Emmys right and left. I mean, he's just, uh, he's on fire. Um, and the, the Chicago sun times in 1987 referred to James L. Brooks's career as a nonstop crescendo. Oh, wow. And, uh, you can feel it in this time period because he's just He's just on fire. And so at the same time, he's, you know, he's got Rhoda Grant, Mary Tyler Moore running. Uh, he left MTM Productions in 1978 to form a new production company called John Charles Walters Company. Um, and they decided and the, their first production that they were going to do the flip side of what they've been doing for MTM Productions and do a show about the blue collar male experience. That show, of course, is Taxi, another legendary television show uh, (laughs) that introduced, you know, everybody from Danny DeVito, Andy Kaufman, Judd Hirsch. I mean, Tony Danza down the line. I mean, it didn't necessarily introduce, but gave them wonderful starring roles. Um, Taxi was not a huge rating success, but was a um, massive critical success um and uh after that the last tv show he produced uh, before diving into films uh was a show called the associates which lasted only one season got positive critical notices but uh didn't last um you know brooks has been described as bringing realism to the previously overstated world of television comedy fingerprints can be seen in everything from seinfeld to friends dally McBeal*. um They were among the first shows to focus on character using an ensemble cast in a non-domestic situation, kind of the workplace, basically the workplace comedy, which obviously we still see to this day with things like The Office and Parks and Recreation and... um, (laughs) you know pretty much everything is about your work friends yeah
1: at this point yeah I mean it's it's an easy setting to have a disparate because it's just you know disparate people that have to be together
0: yeah you can really it's you know it's a lesson and you know I think is maybe as who knows as America has gotten away your work becomes more and more part of our 24-7 lives you know it's
2: uh yeah it's
0: it's inseparable it's like you know punching the clock isn't the same thing anymore and i think it was starting to change in the 60s and 70s for mm-hmm. that and you know obviously who knows if that but like michael mann and you know as we just said james o Brooks, continued forward careers and work do matter to him obviously he is a workaholic but his um his run from about 65 to 1980 on television um you know is um it's pretty it's it's pretty unimpeachable as a television legend and we haven't even actually gotten to the tv show which we'll talk about in future episodes that, yeah um, we're just, okay, <laughs> that is truly paying the bills
1: <laughs> oh yeah the, yeah the one that got yeah, the stratus like yeah threw him into the stratosphere
0: I was spoiler alert it's the simpsons and yeah we all yeah. know about that <laughs> um <laughs> but you know i think patrick i uh I think it'd be fun and maybe we'll do this as a bonus episode. We are very movie focused. We don't do a lot, but maybe toward maybe after this series is over, we'll do one a bonus episode where we just watch like a pilot episode for a bunch of these. And um, yeah, I would love to, you know, see how we feel. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're movie guys though. But so don't hold us to that. Um, meanwhile, though, also in Hollywood, just a few years later in the year 1947, seven years later, July nineteen forty seven in Beverly Hills, hmm. Albert Lawrence Einstein,
1: the home of born. Axel Foley,
0: the home. Of, yes, <laughs> Axel Foley's adopted home. You're yeah. right. So yeah,
1: that is real home, but like spiritually, it's kind of his home.
0: And did you notice they have the same middle name? They're oh. both Lawrence. Is both their middle name? Albert Lawrence oh. Einstein is born. Um, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that. Um, the uh, and he claimed that um, later on he uh, one of Albert Brooks's jokes was the real Albert Einstein changed his name to sound more intelligent. Very funny.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's already no. he's
1: already born funny. It yeah, rules. He's,
0: like he's he's he's, he's, uh, he's born funny, so he's born into an entertainment family. He's born to Thelma Leeds, who was a singer and actress, and Harry Einstein, a radio comedian who performed on Eddie Cantor's radio program. Um, is brothers are Cliff Einstein, a partner, a longtime chief creative officer at the Los Angeles Advertising Agency, and Associates. He has a half brother, Charles Einstein, who wrote for Playhouse 90 and get this, Lou Grant, the the, uh, James L. Brooks show. And of course, his other brother is the God. Oh, the late Bob hmm. Einstein, Super Dave Osborne, and of course, to younger audiences, Funkhouser on career enthusiasm. One uh, of
1: the one of the one funniest of the, people. What yeah, a funniest!
0: Like... Yeah, just one of the funniest guys. Man, I mean, that's just, like this house. This house was funny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's see. comedy They're, royalty.
0: Yeah, it's uh, just just amazing. Uh, he went to Beverly Hills High. Uh, classmates with Richard Dreyfuss and Rob Reiner. Wow um and so he attended uh briefly attended Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh but dropped off dropped out after one year Mm -hmm. age 19 he officially started going by the name Albert Brooks Um, yeah that's fair and very quickly became a regular on variety and talk shows uh and his style which we'll see shortly here uh Egotistical, narcissistic, nervous comic, an yeah. ironic showbiz insider who punctured himself before an audience by disassembling his mastery of comedic stagecraft. Uh, they say he was an influence on other '70s postmodern comedians like Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And, and clearly yeah. Garry Shandling too.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's just there is this idea of. Yeah, postmodern, where it isn't mm-hmm. just about jokes. It's so kind of the nature of the jokes. We're seeing the inside and out of the jokes. We're seeing the person presenting the jokes and kind of what they are going through to give you those jokes, obviously. Uh, yeah. Pretty I, pretty, pretty highbrow, frankly.
1: And he, he was doing it. It's so funny. Uh, and we'll talk about his feature later, but it's interesting to see Albert Brooks kind of um, doing this sort of, uh, you know, kind of commenting on what's happening, which is so in vogue nowadays. Yeah, and yeah. and and movies about like he does all these things that you know, quite frankly, um, in other contexts, I'm kind of sick of movies about movies. Uh, and then meta humor, but, but
0: he, I, I think he does it because he also portrays himself as an asshole.
1: That's the thing. That's and what. I think it, that's
0: why it works.
1: And also, he's he's an asshole, but he's also. Charming and fallible, and like emotionally there, like present when he's doing it. Like he's, he's got like
0: a star quality. You like watching him. You like being with him. Yeah. Weirdly Enough.
1: Uh, but he's and he's and I think he's also not willing to. He and it's to your point, the asshole thing. And I think this is part of it too. Is he's not willing to. He's, he's in, he's, he's not above it. I think that's part of it too, where he's like, get a load of these loser. You know what I mean? Like, even when he's, uh, is pretending to be above it, like, you know, he writes the character as an asshole, so he isn't above it. I think that's He, like- he, he walks
0: a really fine line because he clearly loves showbiz. He's a showbiz mm-hmm. guy. He's oh yeah. He's from the world, but he also sees kind of the inherent flaws and silliness and ugliness and buffoonery. Of show business people. Mm -hmm. So he like loves it and hates it. In this combined way. That makes him very very funny. I mean I say he's probably even funnier. To inside people. In the the industry than he is to. People who don't have these. Like set of knowledge. And know these kind of people.
2: Yeah honestly. But,
0: But he's you know. He's an insider who can. Also like take a step back. Like an outsider would. And kind of comment on what he's seeing, and then he also, in such a fun way, uses himself as the butt of the jokes, which I think is kind of um, really helps. Kind of the meta jokes that he is—he is is the butt of the jokes. You know, things don't really go well for Albert Brooks in a lot of cases. (laughs) That
1: is like—I think that is like—you cracked the code. I think for how meta, like the way that meta works successfully, you have to—you have to be the butt of the joke, or you have to be. In the slop with everyone else, if you're, um, yeah, because like maybe if you're like above it all, like that's that type of snark is like obnoxious. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, it's not an arrogant outsider who's like, "Can you believe this guy?" Yeah, it's huh? like
1: they, they No, him. I'm an
0: insider. I'm the one who's saying, "Can you believe this guy?" But look at me, I'm a joke too. <laughs> you know. It's I kind of,
1: like, I, I when he said that, I just immediately like imagine. C an arrogant C three PO being, "Can you believe this? They fucking fly now." I know. These, get a load of these these losers,
0: these stormtroopers flying now? I mean, when are we going to end these Star Wars?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would love... I, I, the movies would be good. I, I, I'd turn on the sequels. I'd be like, if they said, when are we going to freaking end these Star Wars? <laughs> when is the is this are these star wars ever gonna stop (laughs) get a little this what is this guy it's like a rug he's like a walking rug what's this too much how did you you guys become friends you're you're, a real odd couple yeah and you you don't even freaking speak the same language but you communicate (laughs) to each the hell is up with that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know my hey my friends Pete, my best friend's french but we're not speaking to each other in like french and english very
0: funny it's like you can picture like albert brooks like getting hopping a ride on the millennium falcon <laughs> he's like here's the thing that like, we gotta stop by the can we stop by the pharmacy first yeah. I gotta pick I gotta pick up this medication. I'm so I'm, so, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can't, we gotta do it. It's like this, it's a this anxiety thing. It's for my girlfriend's kid, and she he fucking hates me. So i gotta, <laughs> you
1: know he look, gonna... look at me. I sweat. I sweat I easily and I need I need a uh, a solve. I have a solve that I, I need
0: hand I need a win here. <laughs> I need a win. You know? <laughs> We watched one Albert Brooks movie. Got him down completely.
1: Uh, he—that's—that's that's the bad. That's you. It's—that's the key to him, his mastery, though. He's, yeah. we got it. He—he he gives you—you—you you, you immediately catch on his game.
0: He, um, yeah, and his game is good. It's and, funny. You know, it rules. It's, it's really a great funny. game. It's really funny, and it's—it's very—it's sophisticated enough that it can last. Uh-huh. Um, so we put out two comedy albums. Comedy Minus One in 1973 and the very funnily titled A Star is Bought, 1975. Oh, man.
1: That's the – I almost want to do a bonus episode on those.
0: Yeah, we could take a listen to those as well. Folks, yeah. we're doing the work we're doing this season for three years.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is all – this is the Academy Academy. No more brackets.
0: No more brackets. It's just talking about these two old guys. Yeah. Um, uh, around this time, though, he started – he left stand-up to get into – the idea of starting to make some of his own films he made a short film called the famous comedian school uh which was a mockumentary as well mm-hmm. he directed six shorts for the first season of saturday night live um and um in 1976 he appeared in his first mainstream film role in the decidedly not comic taxi driver <laughs> <laughs>
2: um with uh uh
0: and i guess he improvised much of his dialogue um he landed the role after um i guess moving to los angeles to enter the film business so he must have been in new york for um a lot of his like uh stand-up stuff and doing the variety shows and that kind of thing um and that you know in 1976 to that and then in 1979 toward the um just a moment here sorry folks i gotta scroll down a little uh march 2nd 1979 Albert Brooks first feature film made its debut the film is, of course, real life, the written and dire, writ, uh, directed by Albert Brooks, written by Albert Brooks, Monica Johnson and Harry Shear, who, of course, Simpsons final tap fame. Um, and Monica Johnson is a key player here who will be bringing up many more times who co wrote multiple films with albert brooks and is very clearly a um quite the secret comedy weapon that uh probably quite unsung frankly um film was produced by penelope spheris which is a very interesting i don't know how they all hooked up she you know directed uh decline of western civilization films and wayne's world (laughs) (laughs) massive success there uh the film stars albert brooks the god charles grodin Francis Lee McCain, J.A. Preston, Matthew Tobin, released by Paramount Pictures, uh, made uh, $364,642 at the box office. Um, it currently has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it one star. Whoa! Uh, wrote gets more of its laughs in the first 10 minutes, slides into a long middle stretch of repetitive situations, and ends on a note of embarrassing hysteria. An idea is not enough for a movie. Characters have to be developed, comic situations have to be set up before they can pay off, and the story should have a conclusion instead of a dead spot. Real life fails in all of those areas, fails so miserably that it lets its audience down. Raj, that's pretty tough.
1: Wow. I want to... Okay, we'll see. We need to see his review for the other movie, too. He's, I, he's,
0: he said Geely had some clever dialogue. So, I mean... We, yeah. We're, we're nobody's perfect.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's definitely a Poe buddys nerf picked. He's definitely a... Uh, he can he has his fair share of hits and misses.
0: Yes. Yes, uh, he does. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Real Life is, for those of you who don't know, is a mockumentary mm-hmm. in which the comedian Albert Brooks... Played by Albert Brooks, leads a documentary film project meant to encapsulate the joys, sorrows, and intimacy of real life by filming a regular, all-American family at all times for a full year using crazy cameras and hel- helmet
1: cameras. <laughs> rules. I love these cameras. That's uh, they're like because uh, it's like you're wearing just they're giant like vases with little cameras on them. It's, it's
0: it's very it is quite funny. And yeah. so he ends up picking the Jaeger family who live in Arizona.
1: Yep. I'm, a, uh, I'm assuming ahead. I just want to say I'm assuming that the uh, the son in this family grows up to be Cade uh, Jaeger, the uh, protagonist of Terminator Ed, uh, Age of Extinction, uh, mm. portrayed by Mark Wahlberg. So, the, yeah, this film is oh, clearly tra- in the, yeah. the Transformers verse Optimus Transform, Prime. Yeah. Yeah, he's somewhere in space. Just imagine that when you watch real life, he's his, somewhere. His
0: experience dealing with a psychotic comedian trying to film his family led him to led him to Transformers. We all know that.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. He let him let him to become a. Uh, let him to move from Arizona to I think Texas is what they were trying to like. They were trying to say Mark Wahlberg was Texan. I think something yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the
0: Jaegers are uh, the patriarch of the family. Warren Yeager is played by Charles Grodin. And why don't we start with old Charles Grodin? Here? So good. <laughs> we last saw him in Midnight Run. And uh, guess what, folks? He's kicking ass in this one, too. There's nobody like him. There's nobody like him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And t- His um, his subtlety can be missed. But some of his... When he kills that damn horse in this. Is... Oh, man. <laughs> so funny.
1: It rules, and it's um, he's such a crowd pleasing, nervous Nelly, yeah. And seeing his kind of like uh, his kind of his downward spiral is so entertaining. It's someone who just he did not realize what he was getting into.
0: He's he's just so funny, and he truly is the perfect choice, yeah, for this, for this dad role. Um, as he's so of course the film progresses we should so i mentioned it, it's supposed to take place over a year and fest the, the film progresses by about day 14 everyone has lost their mind <laughs>
1: that's, that's the best part
0: so of the movie funny. it's so
1: quick it's like it's, <laughs> it's so he's wearing he's already wearing a, an apron at the fucking barbecue that says i will no longer talk or whatever like and it's only been two weeks
0: it's it's very funny because of kind of the way fame and reality television have so heavily influenced our culture that this is what people are after that in 1979 only 14 days of this would drive you completely batshit crazy and like (laughs) just like the way we live like the thought of like being public everyone being a public figure the way things are today like back then, they were just a handful of public figures. Everyone yeah. else just were like lived in their community and that kind of thing. And so it is very interesting how this movie is a prescient in one way about this idea that reality television was coming, but yeah. um, assumed the best, I guess, for society that they would reject.
2: <laughs> <this>. yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the produ- the producer and idea man would his uh, his empty crazed soul would reveal itself for all to see by the you know yeah
1: oh yeah and that the um the producers of the film in general uh, or like that's like the the money men rather uh, would have no interest. Like, I love it. Every scene where Albert Brooks is like, kind of like talking to the bigwigs back at like uh, the film studio, uh, where they're like, people don't go to the movies to see the news. They don't go and pay for. We need to get Paul Newman in there as a neighbor. So it's just like nowadays, like it's the other way around, baby. Like,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've joked about Saturday Night Live is literally a reenactment of the news.
1: Yeah, it's like. <laughs> It's just like it's just people reading uh, <laughs> manuscripts of C span and then mugging.
0: It's, it's it's interesting because real life seems to be more interesting, but it actually isn't either. But people want real life. That's what they want. No, you know, they want like, yeah
1: authenticity.
0: I mean, yeah, and it's so it's it's, well, it's very I, interesting to watch this film and kind of albert brooks revealed to be the emperor has no clothes and if albert brooks the the asshole comedian character does that today he's a billionaire
1: that is so fu- oh man i would love to see like a sequel to this movie that like like follows up on that character and, and like how do you even because like it's it is like it, it happened his weird vision and this movie happened
0: he's right yeah but it, but it also it has to come from like a narcissistic arrogant crazy person
1: oh yeah and it costs everyone their salt like it's like it's, it's, <laughs> it guts, it's everything guts everyone <laughs> yeah it gets everyone in the process oh man i do love the um after like day was a day 21 or day 20 when like things are at like their their navier. They were able to just immediately bounce back, and they're like, "We're gonna have a montage that you
0: know." I'll show the French.
1: Yeah, it's gonna to make Jean-Luc Godard shit his pants. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so
0: yeah, so Albert Brooks descends on this, 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 this uh, Phoenix suburb. Yes. And this this fairly unsuspecting family he equips their house with all sorts of insane cameras he moves oh, yeah. he moves across the street and like <laughs> any good reality television producer can't help himself but has to insert himself into the story yeah. at all times
1: this guy talks about all the cool furniture he got for his house and uh, <laughs> including a circular bed that uh, all the ladies in town could not love Yeah,
2: and it's just
0: kind of yeah, it spirals from there. Everyone in the family goes their different directions, but how much they're not in—like Roden at first is very in, and then very out. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the wife is skeptical from the beginning. Yeah. And, and but Brooks just keeps pushing them and keeps for like, Ugh, man, force, forcing it and he's got all of these like scientific experts who are like no i, th- I think you're the problem here my man
1: oh yeah 100 <laughs> uh well and also like he keeps like he has these aspirations. it's so funny his character like talks about having these scientific aspirations and like i want like jonas sulk to know who i am yeah, I <laughs> it's just such a fun. it's an insane name drop and then like at one point he's like uh you know jonas Salk fucking hates comedians like you know he <laughs> just Uh,
0: yeah it's just it but it also i guess that goes with like a celebrity who thinks that they're much more important and much more worldly and much more intelligent yeah oh man that they're doing great things when in reality it's like yeah i mean you're these are spoofs and goofs they're fun but it's like yeah you're not but a this almost goes along the lines of where it became like comedians becoming you know the source of like news and reason in like the post-Trump era, or like
2: and... starting with John,
0: basically starting with John Stewart.
2: Yeah, that's and, another...
0: and Mar in that regard.
1: John Stewart is kind of an Al Brooksian. Well, this is what
0: John Stewart would have been doing if he was born in the nineteen forty-seven, like Albert Brooks. Wow, he would have been making trying to make films like this because that's kind of the same ilk mm-hmm. type thing. You know, I mean, he and I—I I didn't see Stewart's. I haven't seen either of the ones he. Oh directed. yeah, he
1: did Rosewater and, and uh, uh,
0: Irresistible, the movie that Time Forgot.
1: Oh man, yeah, like that it movie was
0: crazy. I just read an applaud on that. It was like, this was written in like 2004, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, John. You bet your ass, John Stewart wrote that well at the daily show
0: yeah it has it has all the vibes and i mean I, again didn't see it but everything i heard about it like all the vibes and all the politics of like a 2005 episode of the daily show
1: man that's like it is it, strange. Yeah, strange yeah very yeah because it's like yeah that's such a uh it is that thing where it's like uh republicans and democrats you know we're we're freaking different, but you know, we'll get along in the end. Hey, and let's
0: have a beer together. Let's, let's, do have a, that.
1: let's have a beer in a cornfield. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I, and I think like, it would be neat to see more. I think Adam McKay gets a little closer to it. This idea of like mockery mm-hmm. rather than like self importance.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: uh, I think, I think your, your, the, the some of your notes that you've had on McKay's stuff in previous episodes are certainly valid and certainly make a good point on yeah. some of the, maybe perhaps being a little more critical of mm-hmm. the work, but I do think that... Um,
2: I think,
1: I mean, I'm, I agree with you. The, the core is right, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, you know, I think with, like, Brooks, like... And this is where I think Ebert's a little wrong, is that he builds it out of these like yes he has the situation but it's the way these characters are reacting Mm -hmm. is what makes it funny rather than kind of like an all-encompassing critique of man there's too much television isn't there (laughs) or something like that yeah uh yeah
1: well and it's albert
0: brooks the character's behavior does that for us
1: Mm You know. 100% yeah yeah they don't have to like have a uh, yeah they don't have to have like anthony Bourdain come out and explain why uh, reality tv is bad or whatever
0: yeah and you know and that's probably like and i think it's it's harder cuz you know you're walking a fine line with the big short because like the distance of a winner is the big short the characters were following Corel and i think Corel and gosling in particular um, those guys are assholes
1: oh they're bad they're bad yeah. people
0: and um, just because they beat the system in this regard, they're taking advantage of it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You know, they are still weird, creepy like stock bros, and those people in general cannot be trusted you know no, totally <laughs> there not. are very few there are fewer exceptions to the rule like these are all people who misinterpreted Wall Street
2: yeah, mean, well, oh yeah, well it reminds of day, me
1: of, yeah, it reminds me of like the game stocks thing where like, um you know that was kind of like into like that's definitely more of a power to the people thing on one hand but then it's also like you know like black rock or whatever made my like i feel like so much of like stuff that happens in the stock market is so like inscrutable and weird and yeah it's,
0: it's so funny it's like jen's always like told me you know as, you know we're adults we got a family and all this kind of thing yeah and she's always like you gotta learn stocks. It's, like, what we need. We've we had stocks to the mix in our life, and I was like, you know, everything I've ever read, it's, like, to a regular Joe, there's a real fool's errand to get in the mix on any of this? It's not gonna change your life at all unless you're on it, like, 24-7 and you're wheeling and dealing, and, like, I can't just, like, send a stockbroker 100 bucks and hope for the best.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, it's, like, ugh, it's, I don't know. Like, I know my... My father has dealt with some of that stuff before, but like I don't, know.
0: yeah. It's yeah, just... let's li- hey, let's leave it to the dads.
1: Leave it to the dads. Yeah, it's that's, that's dad town. And,
0: and we we got some dads coming. We got some
1: dads yeah. coming up at like the very yeah, at, the, at the very least husbands. <laughs> at the very least husbands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, responsible responsible men of the late seventies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bet. I bet um, Charles Grodin dabbles in the stock market.
1: Oh, uh, mis- totally. Mr.
0: Jaeger, I bet he does.
1: Oh, 100%. He's got some, like, you know, he has, uh, you know, some stock invested in GE. Oh, yeah. yeah. Probably. But, that respect- was only,
0: but back then, there was only like five companies to be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was like IBM. Uh- GE
0: was G- there. Um, probably some, like, train <laughs> company or
1: something. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have ever made model trains? Uh- <laughs> oh, uh,
0: Pan Am. Yeah, you know,
1: like a, a b- b- some sort of like textile company that probably descended from like a slave owning family.
0: <laughs> the robber barons who broke up you un- you broke up unions with clubs and rifles.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, the 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 yeah the the Tim Scott Pineapple Company, which was like you know what what the East India t- Trading Company eventually turned into.
0: A, c- a company that. Uh made it through, but wasn't sure if it was going to survive the Civil War because they had split divisions on where the side they were on. <laughs> uh, uh.
2: This
0: business is bad. Yeah, yeah. Guess what? It's not new. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, Business has always been dangerous. <laughs> yep. I did um, love that Michael Mann brought up late capitalism, by the way. He's on the right side of things.
1: Yeah, he gets it. Oh, Mikey.
0: Oh, Michael Mann gets it. That's why the action is the juice and Rob Banks, folks. That's yeah. the almost, the most honest way to make a dollar. Jobs, scores.
1: Yep. You know, Hit, it's
0: e- e- there's not getting. We all know the cops these days. They suck. There's no Vincent Hanna's out there. So go mm. do your thing. Yeah. Alleg- allegedly the academy academy endorses crime <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah hey man in a world of uh in a world only filled with neil Macaulays, so you don't gotta worry about events Hannah.
0: don't you want to be neil yeah like that split second you're gone you're looking at the water you're meeting hey lady what do you want to know about me and what i do
1: <laughs> yeah you're holding a book about rebar <laughs> like- it's a book about rebar what <laughs> It's the history of wood. <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> just like salt. <laughs> I love
0: that movie so much.
1: Oh, everyone, uh,
0: back, back to our friend Albert Brooks, though. Yeah. Um, this movie is. It's 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 what's kind of amazing about it. It's like, sets the tone, mm-hmm. for what he does so fast. It's so it's brisk. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, admittedly, to me, there were a lot of parts where I kind of nodded my head. I'm like, it's very funny. I didn't laugh out loud but I just kind of like was like yeah Yeah, that's a that's well t- turned joke or choice there I mean by the end though like Ebert's complaints about the manic ending are completely incorrect Albert Brooks is dressed like a clown burning down the Jaeger family's that house that's hilarious funny.
1: That's,
2: yeah. that's, that's, that's funny that's,
1: <laughs> when he dresses up like a clown initially it's it's so stupid it's so funny just like him because it's like he just going to like cheer them up or something <laughs> he thinks he's gonna cheer up the kids and the kids are like already like in their teens i think Or like they're they're beyond <laughs> bozo he comes in dressed like bozo and he gets fired he's just um Ugh.
0: it it's 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 very very funny it's a brisk 90 minutes i could i really i think it's obviously we talked about it it's, it's pretty prescient like really recommend this one yeah i, mean, it, I think it's very funny
1: and it's just so nice seeing like a Brit. I mean, and we've done a bunch of long boys for this pod. That's true. Uh, and it was, uh, no. you know, and I'll- out of Africa. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Do I? <laughs> I think I grew a beard after watching that. I had a comical, uh, comically long beard after that.
0: Jen was pregnant when we recorded that episode, and when the film was over, I was taking Hadley to college with tears in my eyes.
1: <laughs> It's like
2: the, the mustard mayonnaise commercial. I let's get Let's get the hell out of here.
1: Uh man, I really hope that guy wasn't
0: that. I, I, I it's it's so funny, it's like um the five the stages of grief, I'm in denial. I yeah. like, anytime everyone's like it's him, I'm like, No. No, it can't, been, be. here, it can't
1: be. It can't be him. It's like, no, it's been confirmed. Like, no. He's no. he's mustard Lincoln. He can't be.
0: This is the guy. He works across the street from Bob in Bob's Burgers.
1: Yes, yeah. like, he's John. He's a John uh, Pesto or whatever. Yeah, Jimmy, John, Pesto. Jimmy Pesto. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, that's a great name with he's, the last. Um, he's
0: he's the the story of the story of Everest. My favorite <laughs> sketch of all time.
1: Uh, that is the funniest sketch of all time. It's a perfect sketch. It, it, that...
0: it's, it's absolutely perfect. Stop the show, folks. If you don't know what we're talking about, YouTube. Look it up on YouTube. Yep. It is uh it is it is a masterful
1: mm, i think it's uh, like yeah
0: like next level and it's just it's from mr show and it's with jay johnson who may have stormed the Capitol.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, just hearing that just uh, my soul uh, my heart my heart folks,
0: <laughs> it's disappointing <laughs>
1: Okay, like, moving. We gotta move Albert,
0: on. Albert Brooks did not storm the gap. But, yeah,
1: that's true. Oh so, man, think of no all the funny things he'd say. He'd be like, "Wow, that's a big old chair." I don't
0: know. Yeah, cool. his character would be the kind of guy who would like accidentally be there. The comedian Albert <laughs> Brooks, <laughs> who thought he was doing like some liberal cause, and he had something.
1: Ah man, I'd like to see how that would end. <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> a very that's a very Albert Brooksy kind of joke, I think.
1: Oh <laughs> like, yeah, it's very Brooksian.
0: Oh, we we can't we we. We actually can't. We should not be here. We should not
1: be here at all. Uh, oh <laughs> no! I I messed. up. <laughs> Charles Grodin is there. Oh no! Oh no! I, oh no! I, I
0: think, I think, Al, Albert, I, I think we've
1: really messed up. <laughs> Wait, I thought uh, I thought we were going to the gray. Ha- I said the gray house. No, we're I at the thought, White House. You know, where's Where's Pelosi? I thought yeah. he was giving a speech. <laughs> no. No, we're storming the Capitol, Sarah. Uh, oh no! Oh
0: no! That makes a lot more sense given this crowd. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> and then Noah and Albert Brooks, are like, we can make
1: the best of this. <laughs> I thought my country album really popped. And <laughs> jeez.
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah, super fun. It's a great start to yeah. kind of the Albert Brooks oeuvre. Yeah! And of uh, you know, it, he's his distinctive voice just right off the bat, kind of what he does. I know he's gonna he is gonna move into movies that are a little more story-oriented and character-oriented. This one is a little bit more spoofs and goofs than say defending your life or even modern romance which is to come um but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have a lot to say it's very clever it's got a wonderful you you know complete your charles grodin collection if you're gonna do anything great charles grodin performance uh everyone's you know it's and again it's also as patrick was rightfully praising it's brisk 90 minutes you're in and out of there baby
1: yeah, rule. It's yeah, rule. It's like brisk in a way that doesn't feel like it's um. It feels like everything uh is brought to the table. It doesn't feel like the movie's missing something. Or I think
0: the um. I think Ebert was a little incorrect too. I think the heightening works all the way through. I don't think it's a slog in the middle. I think each like the way it grows. I think I think it really
1: works. Yeah. Well, and it's just like the how um it heightens just so quickly. Yeah. And it, and it works, yeah, and it works perfectly and it's so um and I feel like even I think the sloggy moments I thought were very interesting in it because I feel like, you know, maybe even wasn't like as jazzed up about all the behind the scenes stuff maybe the uh the the conversations between JA Preston and I think Albert he, Brooks. He
0: seemed to like the um it sounds like you like the kind of family experimentation.
1: Yeah, the segment was almost like a, like, it almost seemed like an SNL sketch a, sketch a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it felt a little like, um, kind of remind me a little bit, different movie entirely, but Woody Allen's Sleeper. Where it's oh. kind of like all like the future stuff and that they're making yeah. fun of. Yeah, it was. Kind
1: of oh god, I did love that one scene where um I posted the picture on our Twitter feed of they just put a bunch of uh nodes on an on a weird guy and they <laughs> like three D recreate his, his head I guess with the most basic like fucking yeah. asteroids. Ass. They're like you know graphics <laughs> <laughs> to determine whether as, or not he's good for TV.
0: As as a But Albert Brooks is like totally talking up everything as it's the most state-of-the-art, most important (laughs) historical invention there is. Yeah. It's it's very funny. And, you know, one of those sketches and um, kind of uh, experiments in the top of that thing is this scene with like (laughs) trying to back up a car. It's very, very funny. (laughs) And the guy running the experiment is played by none other than James home Brooks. Oh. So they already are crossing paths. They're already, you know. I mean, yeah. I don't. We I don't know where they met or like the exact origin story, but very clearly, I mean, how could you not? Mm. I, I mean, as 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 the old saying goes, "Game recognizes game." <laughs> and, uh, these are two fellows who know their way around some uh, some highbrow comedy. Yeah, and uh, simultaneously, as Albert Brooks was doing the um his his initial film real life james l brooks was thinking long and hard about trying to make a break into the world of film as well um you know back then though and it's it's a lot different today clearly everybody knows but um, back then it was very very hard to move from television into films uh people just didn't do it it was um Television was considered a was very much a second class citizen in the entertainment world, and uh, so Brooks, unlike his compatriot Albert, um, did not direct the first film he was involved in. He wrote and co-produced a film entitled "Starting Over" that came out in 1979. This one, a few months after uh, "Real Life," this one came out in October. Fifth of 1979. Interestingly enough, Patrick, both Paramount Pictures. Mm. Um, So uh, produced, co-produced and written by James L. Brooks based on the novel of the same title by Dan Wakefield, uh, directed by and also co-produced by Alan J. Sophie's Choice Pakula. Hmm. So we're back to it. Uh, Much different side of Alan Pakula, whether it's Sophie's Choice or Clute or the parallax view or all the president's men. Yep, it's a very different film than that. I, I, uh, got,
1: I got him confused with Alan Parker and erroneously texted to Don. Oh, yeah, he did Mississippi Burning. Yeah, I, I kind
0: of nodded. <laughs> I, I figured Patrick would figure it out. <laughs> uh, just that dark, uh, um, dark stain on my legacy. Cinematography by Sven Nickfist, Ingmar Bergman's main man. <laughs>
1: I saw that too, and I was like, whoa, so this is the dude who did the cinematography for Persona. Okay, all right.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I see that. Uh, will that become clear watching the film? Probably not. <laughs> he, uh,
0: only a few years prior, did Cries and Whispers. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, will it will the visual stylings of Sven Nykvist? I mean, but this is the interesting thing with Bakula because the Gordon Willis cinematography in those three, the three uh, conspiracy films is just so stunning, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know we talked about how Nestor almendros's photography and Sophie's choice didn't really rock or knock our socks off and Almendros did, you know, Days of Heaven.
1: So, yeah. I mean, Wait, uh, and he also did uh, Kramer versus, versus Kramer. Kramer, which we yeah. thought was uh,
0: visually captured the city quite well. Um, this film stars Burt Reynolds, Jill Claber, Candice Bergen, Charles Durning from Dog Day Afternoon, oh, yeah. Francis Sternhagen, Austin Pendleton, and Mary Kay Place. Um, excellent, excellent yeah. cast. Good, good, uh, good folks. First time we've uh, covered a Burt Reynolds performance on the show i'm Mm. i'm particularly excited i'm a big burt reynolds fan um this one was budgeted at 10 million dollars i did not have a budget for real life made 35 really at the box office of uh, quite a success um was nominated for two academy awards hmm uh one best actress uh jill claber and best actress in a supporting role candace bergen um basic story is that phil potter played by burt reynolds mm. divorces his wife jessica who's played by candace bergen who is a singer songwriter mm-hmm. and has been having an affair he moves from new york to boston <laughs> to start his life over he's a writer yeah and he meets at the home of his brother a woman named Marilyn, played by jill claber who's a nursery school teacher who's working on her master's degree mm. and phil begins a new life even though he's been um he's still wounded I yeah he... that way. he's still wounded um and then of course he and uh marilyn develop a little thing
2: mm-hmm.
0: but then guess what here's where it gets really crazy jessica candace bergen returns to the scene and she makes it pretty clear she's not done romantically with Phil. So now Phil is cut, torn between his old life and his new life with two, two very interesting, terrific, beautiful ladies. Um, simultaneously and very importantly, Phil is going to a divorced men's support group. Yes.
2: That, that
0: includes favorites like Austin Pendleton and Wallace Shawn. And uh, probably the funnest scenes in the movie, too. Oh yeah, um, like
1: I want to hang out with these weird, sad husbands.
0: So, Patrick, maybe we start off with you texted me earlier today, starting over maybe the most boring movie we've watched. Yes, it is
2: boring.
0: I know I I made it sound thrilling in my description, Uh, but this is this this one really is an Academy Academy special. This is a, um, you know, we're talking (laughs) divorced East Coast elite job. Dude in 1979, uh, we've seen it before. Oh we've yeah, Ted Kramer, uh, obviously Yvonne, in author of... yeah, <laughs> we have a trilogy. We have a little author, trilogy. author uh, and now Phil, Phil Potter. Uh, oh, man, I think we just can start off and say, it, tear off his mandate. Thank God, Phil does not have kids.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm assuming he's the son of uh, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. He's the uh-huh. <laughs> the, the son. Prepared. Yeah.
0: Possibly. Um, (laughs) And, you know, Dustin Hoffman, we know he can play a variety of ups and downs. He's, you know, he's he's a very versatile actor. Uh, Yeah. Al Al Pacino. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Yeah. Covered covered him deeply. Um, This role written clearly with a neurotic urbanite intellectual in mind. Yeah,
2: like a
1: role. like a uh, an Albert Brooks or perhaps Brooks
0: a Charles even. Grodin. Yeah, Charles Grodin, Woody Allen. I mean, anyone Any. from that era. Again, back to Dustin Hoffman. Now yeah, you know, you know. I mean, you name them. Um, mm-hmm. They went with Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds um, was actually at this time, folks, younger listeners, you might not be aware. He was just about the biggest star in the country at this time. He was just hit after hit. But he kind of specialized in a very, very specialized type of film, which is the kind of southern shit kicker movies. Wow! Uh, Smoking the Bandit, Cannonball Run, uh, White Lightning, Gaeta. I wonder. If, I wonder uh, if that's played, a you know stuntman, moonshine runners. You know?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, possum wranglers that 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 that. But I wonder if that's like a reaction to the what was it you said? Ir- the rural.
0: Uh... He, yeah, the rural purge, you know, and um, again, because the these kind of things, and this, I mean, the, I first heard about the rural purge up a couple of years ago when Tim Allen's show got canceled, kind of out of nowhere. The um,
1: oh, the men one, Last I Man know, Standing,
0: Last Man Standing, yeah, uh, when it was canceled and it was still getting good ratings, mm-hmm. um, that kind of and it was kind of you know post Trump, so there was this vibe of, oh, is this another rural purge oh, in a way um, when, you know and I mean who knows I I think that I think in the case of that especially when you're still frankly making money and when is it, like when if any of these people have our question making money Um, there is a level of elitism there is a level of not wanting to be associated with the Trumpy show mm-hmm even though it was from from what i understand it wasn't like he was like saying wearing a mega hat on the show or anything like that it was just he you know was a blue collar white guy who didn't quite understand the way the world was going yeah you know? oh yeah no, just uh, i mean a,
1: your I, typical clueless like yeah
0: again i didn't see it but uh you know we are based out of Hollywood, California. We are classic Hollywood lips. So oh, yeah. Some of it. the some of the most classic Hollywood lips. Um they're regardless of the fact that like Smokey and the Bandit and stuff like that. Man, shit, I watched Smokey and the Bandit over quarantine, man. That movie slapped. Oh but, totally. Um and, you know and I'm a I'm a like I said, a big Burr Reynolds fan and I like seeing him being charming and running moonshine and like making ned baby drive his car into a river he's, he's,
1: you know, he's, chari- he's charismatic and you see you even see in boogie nights he's a very like when he's given the right role that sort of fits his wheelhouse he is uh, hard to not uh like
0: he's a star but those movies were just frankly no matter how much money they made these people not taken particularly seriously and yeah. thus spurt not taken particularly seriously Mm -hmm. and especially in the age of all those actors we mentioned you know dustin hoffman al pacino he's uh, not he wasn't
1: like an acting school guy he wasn't yeah burt reynolds didn't learn from lee Strasberg.
0: yeah and i think he i don't even think i think he would have found it that bullshit to, you know, oh to, yeah he, like, i mean burt reynolds was a football player from florida with a good look yeah you know, I, and you know he, he kind of comes from
1: the spencer tracy school of acting where it's just like i'm gonna come here and say the lines and i'm yeah fucking i mean done. He,
0: came, he came up with like you know i mean he's just a few years younger than eastwood and mcqueen and he knew all those guys they were all in the same like studio world they all wanted to do you know as we saw in once upon, again once we saw him, once upon time in hollywood they all wanted to Be McQueen. But, you know, Mm -hmm. the second that, you know, the Dustin Hoffmans, the Elliot Goulds, the um, Al Pacinos, the Robert De Niro's kind of hit the scene, they were not obsolete, but there were kind of holes in their game as actors. What was expected wasn't the same. So, you know, Reynolds, uh, throughout the 70s, gave it a go to kind of um, try out some some type of movies that were not necessarily like classic Burt kind of roles mm-hmm. that you expect and kind of, you know, frankly want from him. And, you know, so that includes the one we're talking about today starting over, but he did, you know, at long last love and Nickelodeon with Peter Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's in a Woody Allen movie he's actually in everything you want to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask. Um <laughs> You know, and he did a handful of others here and there where he was trying to um, not necessarily subvert, but kind of show he could do a little bit more than, you know, be the the mustachioed funny man who was also good in action and stuff like that. He was he saw, also saw himself in pretty direct competition with Clint Eastwood, too. with in, in regards to that. That's interesting. Um, and, you know, Burt end up directing some movies too in the same vein that Clint did but clearly I don't think it's a very safe game to try and emulate Clint Eastwood because Clint's what he's his career is pretty one-of-a-kind yeah considered so I guess long story short what we're getting at is that Burr Reynolds is miscast in this movie starting over and there's a lot of issues with starting over uh you could see kind of the bones there the bones of what james l brooks does really well but um combination of burt reynolds not really being you don't see him as a guy who's like moping around a bachelor apartment over Mm -hmm. his ex you see him as a guy he's already like got his like shirt unbuttoned four buttons down and he's driving his trans am up to the club you know (laughs) back yeah back in the game you know? yeah
1: and on top of that too like it feels like uh the character isn't given a lot to do to begin with he feels a bit of a brand, and what he's given to do a lot of it uh quite frankly feels like uh, kind of mean-spirited in the way he, that he, uh
0: he's, he's not a fun guy no he's just not like he kind of uses everyone around him to mm-hmm. his own advantages, whether it's the guy, the wonderful guys. I mean, Austin Pendleton's driving
1: him around, picking up a couch. That's um, That part since I felt so bad for Austin Pendleton. Yeah. I'm like, come on, Austin, hang out with the other, hang out with Shawn. Wally Sean. Wally
0: Sean needs a friend.
1: Yeah. And then in the end, they get their little victory because, like, the late, and it's like, uh, Austin Pendleton isn't there for that. Yeah, <laughs> you care,
0: you care more about the guys in this, like, group, but even, like, when they're in the group, like, Bert's sitting there, like, with his arms crossed and his great sweaters B- Bert's looks in this movie, by the way, great clothes.
1: Oh, he rules. He looks great. Yeah, he, he, looks, looks, yeah. he looks terrific. Love but, the turtleneck. Um,
0: but so, yeah, and he's like playing this game where he's kind of bouncing between the two female leads of it. Joe Claber deserves better than Bert. He kind yeah. of, he's, he's like got one foot in the pond, one out the entire time he's with her because he thinks he's going to get back with Candy Bergen. And, you know, we'll just spoil it. She comes back and he does get back together with her after Jill Claber has moved in with him. Breaks her heart. But then it doesn't work out again between him and Bergen just because they're not a good mix. And he goes back to try and win Jill Claver's heart again.
1: She's now dating,
0: get this, a Boston Celtic.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> when the movie treats him like a fucking hunchback. Like he is like hey. a freak of nature.
0: East Coast elite man, a, a Jocko isn't gonna be doing it for these these and these New Yorker readers.
1: <laughs> yeah, like in this, land, this motherfucker is a stone cold. Yeah, they, well then this they treat insane. they
0: treat him like an like a freaking like dunce.
1: Yeah, like, oh, a yeah, dunce, an he's a dunce. animalistic
0: animalistic dunce. Put him in a zoo.
1: Yeah, he's an outcast. It's
2: but, like you know,
0: the funniest thing. He's like so sweet to her. It's like, this, stay with this guy? He's a Boston Celtic. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs>
2: like
1: percent better for your life in this every tall, way this
0: tall oafish farm boy yeah is like he seems great and they yeah. seem like a good match because she's not he really isn't like part of the glitterati scene she's like a school teacher yeah and uh so bert and austin pendleton they storm boston garden mm-hmm. where she's watching practice he's not called at all For walking across the No, he should have
1: been fucking arrested. Going
0: down his ass like Howard Ratner
1: in Um, Uncut Gems. It'd be be (laughs) so funny if Austin Pendleton got arrested, but not Bert. So he goes back, and Bert gives kind of like a half-ass
0: speech that he actually loves Jill, and she, folks, she buys it. She goes back with him, and like we never see her tall basketball stud again.
1: And you're just like, man, this guy ain't worth it. Bert no. worth it. Oh, and by but- the way, this happens multiple times in the movie. It's a recurring thing where like Bert will like do like kind of something mean to her, and then she'll be like, okay, like there's like a scene where it's like
0: scene, I think. Oh, and it's
1: it's so cruel where it's like and, and they play it like a joke, and maybe there's a way I can see like a Charles Groden or an Albert Brooks, maybe, maybe this is a high this is a big maybe but they can probably do it in a way that's perhaps simultaneously like semi-charming and maybe she's in on the joke too but when Bert does it it feels like cruelty
2: he's yeah. just he's just doing it and sure. he-
0: so she she's in a dunk tank for like a school fair or something yeah like, like we've all seen this here. yeah We're, hey you've done it yeah um so he goes and he just like blasts the thing she goes in the water she climbs yeah. back up and he just does it again he does it like four times
1: everyone's and like and she, and at one point she's like can someone else do it and she's everyone... like
0: practically drowning by the end of it it's, it's
1: fucking water. it's, 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 she's it's, waterboarding
0: her I know and into submission like hey move in with me baby I love you it's like what and then she's like okay <laughs> you goofball it's, it's just it's kind of wild and you know the I think the movie really, I, I mean, I think it still would have been weird and slow, mm-hmm. but he sh- if he had ended up alone at the end, at least it would have made sense. Yes. And uh, I just yeah. think, I think this movie's kind of like, I hate to tell you folks, because I was hoping to find a gem here, but I think this one's kind of a miss for the most part
1: yeah it's uh and, and it's there's sparks of good things in it like i actually truly think some of candy because like a, a recurring bit with candace bergen that she's like a poor singer but a great songwriter i guess or like is this <laughs> supposedly the movie, yeah. suppose, is this the movie do you even think she's a good songwriter i can, not but like uh but her like uh, committing to singing like very off key was occasionally funny to me i did not really
0: like any of the songs but it may have been because of the singing. Well uh, no,
1: like the songs are not that good. either. like it's all just it's all silly, but uh and,
0: I mean I liked um Charles Derning plays Bert's brother. Oh he's great wildly, and, lo- and but he's always good. I mean you you love to see him and <laughs> wish I just, the think, movie was about him. Yeah yeah we gotta to mention too this. so there's a scene where Bert is kind of choosing between the ladies and he goes sofa shopping with Joe Klaver and he ends up having a full scale breakdown in the furniture store. <laughs> And he goes in this ne- very like neurotic, and, and he starts mumbling about needing to see daddy or something like which that, which comes and, out of nowhere. And he's taken off his shirt, and again, if Albert Brooks is doing this, probably very funny. Yeah, Bert Reynolds doing it. You're like, you've never Bert. This is real. You took a shot of whiskey. You got in the Trans Am with Dom DeLuise. And you hit the town. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know.
1: I mean, like, yeah, you saw that the the you saw the ZZ Top was playing a show in fucking uh, Denison, Texas, or whatever, and you
0: printed like fifty fake tickets, sold forty nine of them, <laughs> made some cash.
1: Yeah, <laughs> went back to Scruggs afterwards to get a nip of, another nip of hooch.
0: Yeah, and then like. Got in a car chase with the cops that lasted across <laughs> yeah. four states, but you got away. You got yeah, away. Got away. <laughs> got away.
1: Yeah, and the, yeah, and you, the... went,
0: and you went like this afterwards. Yeah, after that... I just did a I just did a fun finger gun wink thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> after one, of the cop police cars uh, with the sheriff in it, of course, uh, accidentally drove itself into a like uh, billboard with a giant pig on it. Uh,
0: and the sheriff's name is either <laughs> Buford buzz yeah. or buster
1: yeah goobis yeah goobis. Just...
0: buster goobis
1: <laughs> oh buster goobis is at oh. it again
0: not to get too dirty that sounds like a porn star name
1: <laughs> buster goobis i don't want to see that porn <laughs> uh, sir. Eight,
0: uh new star of the year avn buster <laughs> goobis
1: yeah oh i heard he's in the new sean baker movie oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. he's great he's a legitimate
2: actor
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> fucking great he won best actor at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, bust. Buster Goobas. Yeah the Palme d'Or winner, Buster gubis And I think but I mean this 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 is is very interesting. You know this this is the this is you know we were talking about before we went on that um we have watched we've mentioned it briefly we've watched a lot of yeah divorced guy in 1979 on the east coast movies yeah uh hopefully there's more who knows i like it yeah
1: it's a fun it's a silly little subgenre we've we've discovered i
0: I have a feeling we will see more of them (laughs) but um you know this one is like definitely the weakest oddly enough because at least author author was weird
2: yeah that's like i think that's the
1: the main crime of this film is it's just kind of (sighs) boring and it's not like and it's not like it's funny because I think author author in some ways is a worse movie than this one but,
0: yeah I mean yeah I agree
1: yeah but this one just doesn't have the uh, bland
0: yeah it's very bland
1: well it's just like yeah Burt Reynolds doesn't seem to be in it um, his character is just kind of oh, like yeah. he, he's he like doesn't a really, I don't
0: think he knows what he's doing I don't think he's connecting with it really
1: yeah uh, well and there's like weird scene where like he's like teaching kids about like um, I guess like writing for magazines and like apparently he got everything he needed to say for his first class done in four minutes or something. Very weird.
0: He um At one point he's on a drive to Candice Bergen and she's like what do you want to hit me or something? And he goes well and he's like fucking socks her as like hard hardcore. as you can in the arm but, <laughs> it's, but it's regardless it's like yeah and then which causes him to drive off the road and get some air as he like drives into a field and crashes into a fence
1: insane that moment they play it for laughs they're like and, we're goofballs this is silly
0: so i mean like but it's interesting because to get back to it's like albert brooks does something so in his wheelhouse so down the plate yes he does not really do all that well James L. Brooks does something that actually is kind of in his wheelhouse but isn't that great yeah but does just again the crescendo of James L. Brooks does massive business. People get Academy Award nominations. Like it just
1: yeah.
0: everything's everything's coming up, Jim. Oh yeah.
1: Well, and then hang on, having Buster Keaton or Buster Keaton. <laughs> that'd be funny. Old old, the
0: old Iron Face. Old Stone
1: Face. <laughs> yeah, love the scene and starting over where they're just Buster silently. Keaton. Yeah, uh, silently on a train uh doing weird uh, house, stunts. <laughs> Bert
0: Reynolds' house falls on him, but luckily he's standing in the doorway, so the entire frame of the house lands perfectly around him. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and it turns out the movie is just the dream of the projectionist. Oh
0: boy. Yeah, what the a magic, movie. But, hey, the magic of cinema.
1: Yeah. Uh, but but uh, yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, these, I uh, think, um, you know, I, I would even say, if you feel like it's on Paramount Plus, watch Starting Over. If you're a yeah. Reynolds fan, if you're a Reynolds completist, if you're a Pacula completist. Yep.
1: You're um, a, a Bergen boy.
0: And I have a feeling, too, um, you know, this came out fine. But at, the, at that time, if you think about it, Alan Fakula is one of the biggest directors in the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Burt Reynolds is the biggest star in the United States and James L. Brooks is probably the most successful television producer going. So the egos in hand on where this movie is gonna go, what is the direction of things and that sort of probably were, I mean there are no like there's no like, salacious stories that i can tell i'm just taking a guess yeah but these are these are three very very powerful men in 1979 so i have a feeling um the lack of choice almost in the movie is due to battling on what it was and i know the very next movie is that we see from james l brooks is going to be a lot closer to the complete james l brooks vision
1: yeah it's a it's an interesting yeah and it's it is kind of funny, too, that you we said that those are the three big guys and that uh, ironically, like none of them were nominated for Oscars and
0: probably considered a disappointment for all three of them. Creatively. Yeah, although I mean, like, they all made money, but yeah, um, that's true. But probably, probably creatively. I mean, you look at the I mean, geez, he did president Man like two years before this one.
1: Yeah. Although, I mean, like, it's funny, too, though. I went on Rotten I think it got like a 83 percent on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes
0: because it's i mean it's like it's canon because like probably all those male critics yeah. saw themselves in burt reynolds character and they're yeah. like, it I'm like, like i'm like i'm a divorced writer too and <laughs> yeah. and by god i think i look like <laughs> burt reynolds
1: yeah i i too uh when um my wife left me i too refused to give my taxi to a lady holding her groceries i'm a very 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 <laughs> smart
0: intellectual sensitive man and i'm also a total fucking hunk
1: yeah three okay. stars <laughs> you know what okay i'm gonna say this really quickly uh to uh to uh our credit uh or i guess like to um, to your point rather you know uh, starting over 83 percent around tomatoes only six reviews yeah yeah and then yeah, hey, yeah. The, and the bad one is roger ebert
0: yeah so ebert Ebert was a, ne- a big negative Nancy on both these films, but um, I have a feeling at least one of these films that we're going to be covering next week, as we head into the 1980s, mm. for Brooks and Brooks. Uh, one of them is was one of the most celebrated films of the 1980s. Next week, of course, we will be talking about James O. Brooks's film *Terms of Endearment*. Oh hell yeah! Uh, you know. A smash of smashes in its era. Uh simultaneously with Albert Brooks's second film as a director. Um Modern Romance. Ooh. Which, if get ready, folks, Modern Romance is an absolute banger. And um, uh spoiler alert, I fucking love that movie.
1: <laughs> I've got my uh, comically large bib on. Uh I'm ready to beast on these two films I yeah think this is a good this, we made a good choice doing this I'm excited
0: me too we are heading into some real freaking fastball haters right here yeah. with these next few because this is when these guys are really at the peak of mm-hmm. their I mean because you know the following week after that is lost in America and broadcast news
2: <laughs> I mean, damn. You
0: know, I mean we're gonna be seeing some really fun movies here we are not we are we will not be complaining about being bored. Or any level of slog.
1: Or oh, yeah. Like yeah. There's not going to um, be like a, an out of. Yeah, because like. My, yeah, broadcast news impeccably casted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hurth to a T.
0: And we're going to be seeing some crossover all the way through, obviously. Um, James Hill Brooks is in Modern Romance. Wow. And Albert Brooks is. Um, no, no, no crossover to Terms of Endearment, but the very next week uh, with Broadcast News, of course, Oscar Albert nominated, Brooks, uh, Albert Brooks plays a major, major role in that film. Yeah. And their kind of creative relationship continues. And obviously to today, being both uh, part of the Simpsons universe.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. 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 Hank Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go.
0: So next week, boy, Terms of Endearment and uh, Modern Romance. Get ready. I, I think that At the very least, you can rent them on Amazon or uh, Apple or Vudu or whatever one of those kind of providers. Yeah. (laughs) Those monstrous businesses you choose to support.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, Tubi, the one where you can, like, watch literally every weird movie ever made. And
0: Tubi's got some real, real fun stuff. Oh, man. Not a Tubi broadcast. This is a Brooks, Brooks. And, you know. We're really excited here. Check out real life. Real life we rented um, and uh, starting overs on Paramount Plus. Uh, if you join in late, check those out, catch up. Let us know uh, if you thought Bert was actually appropriately cast, or if you thought Roger Ebert was correct and real life was a slog, or if you agree with us um, on our Twitter and email. And you know, we've mentioned it before hopefully you're new but if you're not you you know that already
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: um yeah uh give us you know what i haven't said this in a while give us an email at the academy academy podcast at gmail.com gonna say that one more time the academy academy podcast at gmail.com send us an email let us know you exist and that you're listening (laughs) yeah
0: we appreciate all of you thank you again next week we enter the 1980s brooks brooks Terms of endearment, modern romance. I can't wait.
1: Yes. Uh, bye-bye.
0: Bye.
2: Bye. Oh, don't let her sing.